neither an obelisk, a pyramid, nor a dome would do. In this place, for our time, a great yet simple arch did seem right. And so it was. Only the arch along the riverfront, or Catsup Bottle in Collinsville, or Budweiser Eagle can lay claim to being a bigger iconic landmark around the region than the big Amico sign. How the light bulb on top of the arch gets changed. We've got the answer this morning. One of the city's most recognizable signs is getting a facelift, and it is not the first time. Why has the massive Amico sign changed over the years? We connect the dots. Hi there, everyone. Welcome to I Hate This Town. I'm your host, Owen, and I'm joined by my co-host, MJ. Hello. And today we're interviewing uh, Francis at Army Strang, co-host of uh, What a Hell of a Way to Die podcast, the number one leftist veteran podcast in the Twitter sphere. I don't know. Is that a good tagline for you? Our, our actual tagline is uh, voted number one leftist military podcast since 1917, which might, <laughs> be a, might be a little too on the nose with stuff. But also we make fun of the Soviet Union enough times that we get yelled <laughs> at by tankies, too. So it works out. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. It's, it's always good to have like a little bit of controversy. We haven't generated any of that for ourselves. I yet, intend but. on generating no controversy because I'm a lovely angel and everyone likes me. There you go. So today we're, we're talking about St. Louis. Is St. Louis? St. Louis? Does it matter? It is, I know. It is St. Louis. Um, it is named after fucking one of the Louis. Louis the Sixteenth. I know this. I'm, yeah, because during the protest, they stole his hands. Yeah, yeah. Man, we like to protest and we like to get weird with it. I I just That's like that there cool. was stealing still hands. A, is cool. There was still a. a whatever that one of those family members on Twitter is like, how dare you? I was like, bitch. I, I mean, I'll tell fuck? you, I'll tell you also, um, there's a, uh, Oh God, what did we had? Uh, fuck. Sorry. I just completely lost my train of thought. There was something else with that. Um, sorry. It was something along the lines with the protests and I can't remember it, but it's going to come back to me. I promise. I'm so, <laughs> I mean, you guys have been in the news a lot in the last few months due to a very specific couple and their uh Oh, which know, one? Are we talking are we talking about use of firearms? We talk about gun couple? <laughs> oh yeah. We are indeed talking about gun couple. As a self-professed in your Twitter Twitter bio gun fucker, uh how do you feel about that guy just like sweeping his wife downrange? <laughs> I mean, it is pretty it it, it it pretty much describes most gun owners as I see them. I see them to be like weird nerds with too much money who bought something dumb and garish. And I don't just mean like the, the big honking M16 clone. I mean the uh, big honking Italian fresco fucking house that they've redone and redecorated. That house is beyond so like when you when you look inside of that house and you say, Oh, this is this is something that a crazy person creates the rest of it is is perfectly understandable and the thing is everybody else on that block fucking hates those people too like it is a rich walled area it is full of large houses that have been uh many of them fell into disrepair they're being rehab but it is where the rich people live um and uh yeah they apparently everybody's like yeah we don't we don't like them either it's okay we don't yeah come go yell at the mayor fuck her whatever just don't <laughs> like they understood it's like they come in they yell at the mayor a little bit and then they fuck off 
I will say it's a big it's big steps forward for um, Irish equality that they were able to make something as garish and horrifying as an Italian. Oh, I remember what I was going to say. They um, as much as uh, St. Louis loves protests. So one thing that we have in St. Louis um, and, and because we love I love in Missouri, I love uh, world's largest of anything. So we have the, <laughs> we have the world's largest Amico sign. Um, Sick. And so Amico doesn't actually it didn't actually exist for a long time. It turned into BP. So BP bought it like the gas station, but they just maintained the Amico sign. So apparently Amico is coming back. But the Amico sign, the symbol, is is updated, and so the new update. It's still like if you don't if you don't know what the Amico symbol is, it's like a it's like an oil lantern. So it's like a round oval thing with a little uh, flame on top of it, and you know it's got this three colors. You can look it up and you can find it if you look up the world's largest Amico. Anyway, the design is slightly different, so it doesn't fit perfectly onto the old sign, but it fits mostly on like ninety eight percent of it. But there were absolutely protests uh, to repaint the Amico sign, the original Amico. And I know the guy. I was wondering who, where this was going. And I know the guy who led it. He's a very good friend of mine, Umar, who loves to protest and he loves the city uh, so much. And it was just, it was half tongue in cheek, but also Umar is like, I can't believe that they're going to deface one of uh, one of the St. Louis. This is like if you you know took down the arches, repainting the Amico sign. So, so when, how big? When you say world's largest, how big? Uh, I mean, so it's on. So imagine it's it's a, a regular gas station, right? So gas station, a gas station height of you know the pumps and the building and everything. So this thing sits right on top of the building and is probably about two and a half to three times taller than the uh, the gas station itself. So it's up, and then it's probably a good like I, don't know, I could probably look it up how tall it is, but uh, it's it's big, a couple stories. Nick, did you just pull? Oh out yeah! Oh, oh wow. wow! Yes, that's that's a big fucking <laughs> sign. Wow. Do you guys we have love... any other of the largest of anything? I in Saint. Yeah, biggest arch. Uh, yeah, fair enough. Um, <laughs> I don't in 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 Saint Louis. I don't know. I don't think so. Um, the last time I looked, even the Amico sign wasn't. Uh, you know, there, it's like one of those uh, things where the world's largest is almost a. Um, uh, a brand at this point. Yeah. So in Missouri, we have things like the world's largest rocking chair down in Cuba, Missouri, the world's largest uh, uh, drinking like fountain soda cup uh, down in Cape Girardeau. Uh, we have one of the world's largest balls of twine. There's four world's largest balls of twine it, because one of them is size. One of them is Girth. twine nylon. One of them is heaviest and one of them is heaviest twine nylon. So there are four world's largest balls of twine. We wow. have one of Interesting. them. Interesting. So I don't think you get to claim largest if you're just the heaviest. Those are different things. I mean, one is less cool than the other. That's but what you I would be allowed that's to claim. I, that we do also have the world's largest belt buckle that's down in Uranus, Missouri. That is fucking uh, awesome. <laughs> Full stop. The whole sentence. It's a very American <laughs> thing to just create like tourist attractions out of the world's largest there's the well, world's X, largest whatever. teapot in charleston west virginia or there's definitely a, like a direct-to-video movie for each one of those world's largest things where like the main character is like trying like the main character is like i will get the biggest belt buckle in the world and it ends in this like self-exploration journey of arriving at the fucking world's largest belt buckle <laughs> no nick these are troy mcclure movies hello 
I'm Troy McClure. You may remember me from such movies as Cry Yuma and Here Comes the Coast Guard. We need the world Simpsons bits. We need the world's largest thirty for thirties. <laughs> we go. do, <laughs> and I think that Rick Seaback is the man to do it. Uh, Rick Seaback. Rick Seaback is the local, like the the local. Um, news guy who does the like 30 40 minute documentaries about literally anything pick a thing if it's in the city of pittsburgh rick seaback did a documentary about it he's enormously fat are are you guys in pittsburgh or are you in pennsylvania pittsburgh in pennsylvania no i'm sorry (laughs) pittsburgh or philadelphia is what i meant (laughs) well there is pittsburgh kansas there is there's a manhattan kansas too there's also pittsburgh california but it's spelled differently they are no all spelled H. differently. No. It's a whole thing. The thing with the H at the end of Pittsburgh, I'm sure we'll talk about it at some point, but t- tonight is not the night. No, it's not. I actually had a lead-off question that we got sidetracked from immediately. Francis, I wanted to lead off immediately with this. What is ooey-gooey butter cake? So imagine you take a cake... <laughs> And you know, when the cake, there's like eggs and flour and sugar and milk and butter. And if you were ever just like, like when I cook and a recipe says two cloves of garlic, I'm like, that means four. So an ooey gooey butter cake is if you looked at it and it says one stick of butter, I think I need three actually. Uh, and then you dust powdered sugar on top of it. It is, it is, have you ever like, when you bite into it, like your teeth vibrate. There's so much oh. sugar and fat in it, and it's uh, so yeah, it's so good. It's so oh, it's horrifying. You can only eat a small square <laughs> of it, though. Like I can eat I can eat one small square, and then I have to go lay down for a while because I'm 38. But <laughs> what, what is, for what sort of occasion does one make a cake with like half a cow's worth of butter? So it's not really a large cake either. Uh, generally. And an uh, uh, the ooey gooey butter cake is a small, like, um, 9 by 13 kind of aluminum pan because you just, like, really condensing a lot. You, you take out a lot of the flour so it's not as fluffy, but you put in just a lot more fat and sugar and just to make it more dense. So it's, it's kind of... It's like it's you know it's like a non-Newtonian fluid, right? It's kind of sitting between a solid and a liquid. It's like the opposite of a Texas sheet cake, which has extra flour because it's so long and flat. Oh yeah, we don't no, we don't do that. We make it we just like it's a sprinkling of flour, a sprinkling of sugar, about four four uh, bars of butter and sugar, and uh, a little blueberry for taste. If it ain't got if it ain't got French fries on it, don't want it. Don't want it, everybody. <laughs> Go put French fries on it. The Pittsburgh. Well, I was gonna say the Pittsburgh equivalent of that would be the uh, strawberry pretzel salad, or the or the um, almond, the burnt almond tort from Prannels. Yeah, we do a lot of those. Francis, have you ever good. heard of a strawberry pretzel salad? No, but I wish to. It's nightmares. It's not a salad. <laughs> so it's a a very classic like old Pittsburgh. I guess you'd call it like a cookout food kind of thing because you do it in a. I don't know, like a sheet pan. Yeah, or a it's like a it's like a Nana's dish. house food. You eat it at yeah. your Nana's house, and it's a layer of pretzels on the bottom, like thin pretzels, and then what else is godly? It's like cream cheese and cut up strawberries and yeah. Well, the I think every time I've seen it, it's made with like the 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 like canned strawberry pie filling that like caramelized 
strawberry yeah. nightmare um and then like cool whip oh yeah pretty much and so the the uh pretzels on the bottom become very soft and almost <laughs> gooey and you just sort of slice and you you chill it and then you slice that up into squares and serve it. Uh, so I don't know why on earth it's called a salad, but it's um, <laughs> I, it's our regional fucked up like carryover from the seventies food. Oh no, we've got more than that. There's chip chop so, ham. I mean, you should go. You guys would probably love Minnesota with their seven layer salads that have mayonnaise yes. in it. Oh god. Yeah, so I'm familiar yeah. with those. so I I'm sorry. I guess I was lying to you about the butter. It's actually so. Here's the ingredients for an for a gooey butter cake. Uh, a package of yellow cake mix, half a cup of butter, two eggs, uh, two teaspoons of vanilla, uh, one ounce of, uh, or sorry, one eight ounce package of cream cheese, and then four cups of powdered sugar. And then you just mix that all together and bake it. So it's. The, I mean, I would eat that. It's the so. powdered sugar that really does. So it's uh, a lot of cream cheese and powdered sugar is how, is where, that's where the magic comes from. It's very good. I, honestly, I, I would eat it. It sounds delicious. I do think there's, and if I was a, a smarter person and I wanted to do some sort of like a Adam Curtis documentary about this, I would follow the through lines between uh, weird, shitty, incredibly fatty and processed American desserts and the need to create giant tourist attractions out of everything. And I would craft some sort of thesis of America out of those. I mean, it's just we can sideline that for a future episode. It's the way that it's the way that the rural people get all the city folks to come out, or at least somebody to come out and, well, and take a look around. Like, you know, I I wouldn't be I wouldn't go anywhere out into Missouri if there wasn't you know some if there seven wasn't different large balls of twine, right? Or if there wasn't something weird like we have uh, down in Springfield, Missouri, is the largest Bass Pro in the world because it's the first one. So and it's got an aquarium, the pyramid, right? No, that's Vegas. Memphis, which I've oh no. Yeah, Memphis is the pyramid, which I've also been to with the so restaurant cool. up on the top. Uh, but you know the um, uh, world's largest Bass Pro. We've got uh, oh, down in Carthage, Missouri, is where you know the Precious Moments figurines, the like fucked oh, yeah. up little angelic. Yeah. So the guy who created that whole thing, his chapel is in uh, Carthage, Missouri, and it's huge. It's a whole okay. Oh. Do you, and this is oh I get to tell you my favorite thing I love to tell people this this fact so at the Precious Moments Chapel there's a three foot statue of a Precious Moments figurine that was never released it is a firefighter uh, holding a uh, a dead child with a uh, uh, teddy bear at the feet and it's for the victims of the Oklahoma City bombing Jesus oh, fucking Christ fuck. man I urge everybody to look it up oh no. I'm so, I, th- the oh first thing I thought of when you said there was a Precious Moments chapel was just yeah. like, that's pedophile shit. They refer, no, he's, he's just very childlike. He, oh, I didn't very, mean, I didn't mean the creator. I meant people oh, who would be extremely into that. Yeah, it's weird. Everybody there refers to him as the artist. They don't call that. him by his name. He's, just <laughs> he's like artist. Thomas Kincaid, the painter <laughs> of light. <laughs> I don't even. Th- is Thomas Kincaid even alive anymore? Oh, I think I'm he's sure just he's a brand dead. now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Going off of that, what is Missouri as a whole like? It's a state that I know almost nothing about. Missouri sits in a weird Midwest area because, so, so going back to the Civil War, let's 
let's let's take it back a little bit. If you want to know how, shit back. if you want to know how fucked up Missouri is, you gotta you gotta go back to our early childhood. Um, Missouri is the only state that was on both the Union and Confederate flag. Um, <laughs> we were never technically a southern state, though people do consider us a southern state. We were never officially for the Confederates, but the Confederates put it on their uh, on their flag. And basically the state shut down because it was so 50-50 divided that nobody could agree on anything. And everybody's just like, we'll come back later, maybe. We'll figure this all out once everybody else is done. And one of our local, I don't want to say heroes, but like the guy that everybody in Missouri loves to talk about is Jesse James. And apparently Jesse James and the James gang, they wrote, they, you know, robbed banks and, you know, uh, all the cool cowboy stuff, uh, except that they were like horrendous Confederates and murdered a shitload of uh, people in general. Um, and, and also uh, Union soldiers, like Union, the Union had to send like brigades to, to Missouri to fucking quell everything. Cause it's like the fucking Confederate, like they're not even in the fucking army. They're just a bunch of assholes that just keep killing union soldiers. So that's Missouri, um, in our, in our younger years. So kind of building on that, you know, um, we've just been a very confused state in a lot of ways, uh, <laughs> down. Okay. Well, you know, where I live, uh, all up and down St. Louis, uh, up, up North to Hannibal, Missouri, where, uh, which is where Mark Twain was born. Uh, you've got kind of Riverland, and then up the Mis- Missouri River, Riverland, Missouri. Uh, the whole upper northern Missouri, everything kind of north of Highway 70. Uh, back 2 million, 3 million years ago or so, um, was covered with a glacier. Uh, the glacier came down, covered you know pretty much all of northern America. So the upper area of uh, Missouri is all this really nice, flat, fertile farmland. And then the lower part is actually the oldest mountain range, which is the Ozarks, the oldest mountain range. And so you've got Mountain Missouri, you've got River Missouri, you've got uh, Plains Missouri, uh, you've got the uh, uh, Kansas City. Uh, the whole Kansas City area is very is also kind of very flatland area. So Kansas Kansas uh, City, Missouri, and Kansas City, Kansas are kind of their own thing. Uh, and then you go up to um, a little bit. F- Let's see, let's see, what, what northwest that's still uh that's still farming missouri and then south is ranching missouri so down in the bottom uh uh southwest is where you find one of my favorite steakhouses can't remember the name of it but it had a rodeo like a rodeo uh attached to it um Sick. and like it was a steakhouse and it had a rodeo like um stadium kind of thing but it was a it was like a practice thing so they had like seven and eight year olds practicing goat roping while we were eating steaks it was it was marvelous so missouri is missouri has its foot in so many other places and like in a place like california that's so big and has so many like you know uh insular economies like la and san diego and you know all the major cities and then you've got the northern areas you know it's it's easier to be different parts but like we're we're very torn asunder and one of my one of my like you know not necessarily playing a b or c but maybe playing d for missouri is to eventually just piece it off to every state that touches us and kind of go from there it really truly is the gateway to the west that'll bring it full circle because it's like you know union confederacy claiming missouri each it's like okay well we'll winner winner takes missouri at the end of the civil war well 
we're going to have to bring that back around and split Missouri up for all the different regions of the U.S. that want it. I would be you know. very interested like, to see what would have happened to Missouri if like, the South had won. Because you know, when the North won, it was just like, okay, it's Missouri. But if the South, like, I, don't, I don't know if there would have been some kind of different change in Missouri if, if there had been um, a change in the, in the fighting. Just because, like I said, because it was so like, weirdly divided and on its own for us as a part of the Civil War. But. I mean, it's a total side. It's a it's a side quest, and maybe we'll talk it's about my, it some other time. But I, that, I, gotta, I feel like I something's more Harry Turtle dove for that, or something. I think something interesting. I think something similar would have happened with Maryland post Civil War. Alternate reality, yeah. Split Maryland. <laughs> Maryland. My family is from Eastern Maryland, and it's it's despite the fact that Maryland was in the Union um, culturally, not so much. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> moving away from the East Coast, uh, my favorite thing that I own, the only thing actually that I know about St. Louis is that when they announced, when they told Aero Saarinen that he was going to be um, designing the arch, his dad, who is also an architect, was the one who got the letter. And for a while, his dad thought that he was going to be designing the arch. Uh, and then it became like a big fight between father and son because it was actually the son who was going to be designing it. Like, is it, did they just leave the junior off or something or? No, his, they had similar names, but I think it was just addressed to E. Sarinen. Uh, but the, and <laughs> yeah. So they both, they both put in for it. and, and Right. And, and the <laughs> so father was also an architect. <laughs> It sounds it's a very, very awkward family dinner. <laughs> sounds very St. Louis. Yeah, very, very mid-century, very mid-century sort of problem to have. What's the deal with the arch? Like, I imagine obviously a point of pride for you guys, but like, I don't know. <laughs> like, <I'm>, okay, <laughs> like I wasn't sure if every person from St. Louis had to like know their arch history or not. Well, I mean, I pick up some of it. It's uh, six hundred thirty feet tall, but also um, six hundred thirty feet wide. Uh, from side to side, it also goes down into the ground. I think 630 feet. So it's very, it's very sturdy. It's very stable. My brother is actually a park ranger, my my cop brother, but uh, arch park ranger. So it's like, you know, being being a cop of a mall. It's kind of the same, but <laughs> but a federal a park ranger cop uh, makes a lot mall. more money. An arch cop. It sounds uh, it sounds related to the Vatican. Oh, yeah. Well, I asked him, I said, what do you do? And he says, well, I make sure that nobody hijacks the arch to, you know, fly it into the Pentagon. I said, well, well. you're doing a great job and you definitely <laughs> deserve however much money you're, you're getting for that. You can thank your brother, Paul Blart, arch cop. He's gotten in, gotten me into like, you know, the back, like the, the cool back areas of, of the arch, like in the legs where you can see the stairs and everything. And uh, yeah. Uh, then you can go up. I actually got married at the top of the arch. Oh, uh, cool! Yeah, because That's pretty sweet. Because it's a federal, like we couldn't like rent it out, but we could. Ju- they're, ju- they're just like you could just go, just yeah. go up there and be married. You know, have <laughs> officiated. It'll be fine. They're not so, going to stop you. R- they're not. They and and they're like hundreds of people do it all the time. So fucking knock yourself out. So that's gotta nice. happen all the time with like the Eiffel Tower and yeah. the Empire State Building and shit. Right, I'm sure just have, it like, would happen in the national on the Washington Monument, except that like DC does not like does not like sanction fun. There were a lot yeah, of yeah, we'll fuck around. There was a big uh, group of uh, Asian tourists who took a lot of photos of us. So I, <laughs> I hope that I hope that um, we are. This was ten years ago, so um, I guess Facebook was around. So hopefully they uh, they got some good good stuff to send back to their friends. Uh, and also, apparently, I impressed a uh, 
uh, a bunch of like there was a field trip there of uh, a class of kids that were probably teenagers and they saw my wife in her dress with uh, and her bouquet and so they're like oh my god it's so romantic (laughs) (laughs) well the most important thing about getting married is that you impress a bunch of teenagers by doing it well i didn't i was like did you tell them it was your idea she's like of course i did so (laughs) i'm not good at this you know that i mean honestly if you want to boil down the entire like social construction of having a wedding the point is to impress people exactly the legal the legal point is to transfer property (laughs) property being your wife property being a a dowry various (laughs) uh, goats and cows and talents of silver and gold and things of that nature well, unfortunately for my wife all i had was a dowry of debt so <laughs> but hey so did she so it was fine yeah well that's modern marriage I mean, for you Okay, so I have I wrote two questions down for you. <laughs> okay, for this uh, we for we this do interview. our research. We did. I did my research while I was at work today, uh, and I wrote down two questions. The first one was, "What is ooey gooey butter cake?" And the second one is, "Have you heard of the Equidome?" The Equidome, no. Okay, I'm going to read. I uh, didn't clue MJ or Nick in on this before we started the episode. I'm just going to read from this website I found, www.stateofhorror.com. Uh, uh, I'm going to read from their entry on the Equidome, uh, and you can see if any of this rings a bell. <clears throat> Some buildings are alive, bustling with activity and purpose. Others are dead, deteriorating and empty. But the Equidome was a zombie a living dead building that stood vacant 50 years while devilish deeds stirred within its decaying walls. If St. Charles County had a bad place, it was the concrete husk that stood off Highway 94 on what is now a firing range for the Sheriff's Department. Its name, when it was alive, was Water Treatment Plant Number 2. The main structures included an office building, two lime storage towers, and a water tower. The federal government began building the plant in 1941 to purify water used to make TNT at the Weldon Spring Ordnance Works. Uh, I'm skipping down a little bit. Uh, the plant died when the government shut, shut it down in 1946, but it did not stay dead. The plant became a legendary hangout for young people. Rumors spread that satanic cults performed occult rituals and animal sacrifices within its cavernous chambers. Oh, hell yeah. The lure of mystery and danger. Let's get it. it. (laughs) Oh, yeah. No, it's very great, like, late 70s, 80s satanic panic. Um, The lure of mystery and danger attracted more thrill-seeking teens year after year. Some dubbed the plant the Echo Dome. Others called it the Aqua Dome. In time, the nicknames merged into one, the Equidome. (laughs) So, I don't know if this rings any bells. <laughs> I, this is a great like little blog post about it. Uh, <laughs> well, here's here here. I've never heard of the Equidome, but you did mention something in there that I can speak on, and that's Weldon Spring. 
Um, what, what did it say about Weldon Spring? Uh, that the plant was used to purify water to make TNT at yes. the Weldon Spring Ordnance Works. Yes. So they stopped doing TNT at the Weldon Springs Ordnance Work because they turned it into an atomic facility. Uh, so, uh, so just upgrading explosives? New, they were doing nuclear research there. So, of course. Um, and, and would you like to know what, it's, what Weldon Spring is used for now? It's used yes. as a military training site. Yes. That I go to, that I've been to many times. But, so here's <laughs> the thing about Weldon Spring. His Iguodome is, is interesting, but, you know, a bunch of kids getting high in an old building in the 1970s. Like, every, every, I, I could tell you about 10 buildings around here. You can go, like, break shit and, and get high in. That's I just would like to know the thing. names of those buildings. <laughs> just find any <laughs> building. Like, every, every kid growing up, you know, if you had a good childhood, you had that abandoned house that you want to go get high and break shit in. That is actually, uh, like, the hallmark of a good childhood. Yeah. That and the, I, I don't know if kids today are still finding boxes of porn in the woods. But. <laughs> no, I don't think they are. I think, I think the, uh, the, the weird biological experiment of woods porn has ended in the era Faded of um, and gone smartphones into the West. and That is sad. So anyway, Weldon Spring, um, it, like I said, TNT facility turned into a nuclear um, research facility. And then, you know, like eventually they found out, oh, this is actually really bad for you. Um, <laughs> radiation, atomic energy, these things are all very dangerous and we haven't been doing anything proper with it. We've got all this uh, this waste. So the EPA, uh, or no, not the EPA, let's see. And, yeah, so new safety measures came in around the 1957. And so they're like, well, we can't keep this facility going, so let's go ahead and tear it down. And they're like, mm, everything is covered with radioactive dust. So no, you're not going to just tear it down. Uh, what, you, what you're going to do is you're going to every day put on radiation suits, and you're going to go and take everything apart, like every, the building brick by brick, bolt by bolt, Take every brick, every bolt, everything, and you're going to go take it over here, and you're going to put it in a big pile, and then you're going to you know, go somewhere. You're going to take your radiation suits off. Those are going to go in the pile, and this is going to repeat every day for a couple of months until everything is taken down, and we have this big pile, this big pile of radioactive shit. And what we're going to do, we're going to put some layers of stuff on it we're going to put some uh like this black kind of astroturf and then we're going to put sand and then we're going to put this and we're going to put just that put a blanket so on it what you're telling so, is that the army corps of engineers has just been winging it this whole fucking time at weldon spring there is while you're driving by it on the highway you can see it from the highway there's just this massive rock pile and I mean, it is a massive, like, not like, oh, here's just somebody threw some rocks. Like, it's obviously very purpose, purposefully built. Uh, it is, the sides are sloping up, and then, like, it's not a pyramid. It's not like they just dumped rocks. The top is kind of uh, flattened a little bit. There is still a slope. You can climb to the top of it. There are um, stairs that go to the top. And there's a nice cultural center to tell you all about the uh, Weldon Springs nuclear waste dump and why it's actually perfectly normal and safe and there's nothing for anybody to worry about. And if you would like, you can go to the top. Climb on it? You can climb to the top of the nuclear waste pile and read about um, everything and you can see St. Charles from up there, which is um, a a suburb that was created through white flight in the 1970s. Well, i got to tell you what, that's got to be really good for the fertility rates of people in that general region. Climb to the top and feel a little... 
tickle down yeah. under. Well, I, I, I can also talk about another um, nuclear kind of dump area that we have. So you guys know, obviously, you know about Centralia, Pennsylvania, right? Yes. Underground fires. Yes. Um, we got it. We'll, we will at some point get around to an episode. For, for anybody who's not familiar with Centralia, Pennsylvania, specifically Nick, who is on this call, uh, Centralia, Pennsylvania was a town in um, north eastern pennsylvania um that was a coal town uh 50 well at this point 60 70 years ago a fire broke out in the coal um tunnels below centralia pennsylvania and they've never been able to put it out so there's still a fire burning below centralia pennsylvania so the town was completely abandoned except for i think one family that still lives there okay we will be recording on location i was (laughs) I was going to ask, because I, I feel like it, I knew somewhere somewhere in one of the like Midwest northern states, and I feel like Missouri was one of them, when you mentioned the, the perma-burning fires. <laughs> and well, uh, I know there are plenty of dumps, like, like actual landfills around the U.S. that just have those perma-fires burning underneath them with nuclear waste lumped in there. So Yeah, that's, that's Bridgeton, Missouri, um, North County. So we have an underground fire plus nuclear waste for it to one day get into. They got any Very plans good. for that or like? Yeah, the plan. The plan is it? poor people live there. So ah, well, that's a good plan. You know, it's been working for this country for a good long chunk of time. God. <laughs> hey, I mean, we we are living proof of that. We live in Western Pennsylvania. We live in the Appalachian Mountains in a valley where all of the horrific air pollutants that have been just pumped into the atmosphere for the last. 80 fucking years are just sitting on top of the valley. So we have just like abnormally high rates of asthma in children, specifically poor children. It's very good. Things are going well here. Anyway. Yeah. I I was going to ask, I didn't, I didn't mean to steal your thunder, Francis. I was going to ask how, like, do they know how the underground, like the, the, the subterranean fire started in the landfill case, like with Bridgeton? I, like, I mean, they know it's... how it got, they it probably wasn't venting the methane correctly. Like there's there if you I've actually like talked to a uh, a landfill scientist and landfills are very interesting. Um, like it's not just like just throw this shit over there and we'll call it a day. Like there's methane that has to be vented. There's certain layering that has to be done. So I think it was something like that. I'm not sure. I would have to look it up, but it is one of those. Someone fucked up, and now in like 30 or 40 or 50 years, it's going to be really bad for a bunch of people. But, yeah, you know, other than that. <laughs> I mean, look, they Chernobyl didn't get shut down until 2000. So, yeah. really, what does nuclear power mean? What does yeah. a nuclear explosion mean? Well, it's a very relative thing. I mean, hey, PA has that going on. We hit Three Mile Island. I've so. been there. I did a, I did a, um, a trip around Pennsylvania um, I was in when I was in Fort Dix, New Jersey. We got four day pass, so I uh, took I rented a car and just drove around Pennsylvania. And I went to did Centralia, did uh, Hershey, Pennsylvania, which is a real weird fucking place. Oh yeah, Hershey, Pennsylvania always smells like shit. I've been <laughs> twice. It always smells. Hershey, like Pennsylvania fucking ass has there. Ex- extremely cursed vibes. It's it's I don't. I, it's been ten years since I've been, but yes, it was a very insane kind of uh vibe there's like a a, a, like a little car ride you take through and there's singing cows and everything yeah 
Oh, like the the like the Hershey factory ride where you like yeah. go through. Yeah. Some for some reason when I was a kid, um my church, like we would go there in the summer. Not close at all. It's like three hours away from where I grew up. But I remember that ride because at the end of it you get a free piece of chocolate. But like as a person who's been a vegetarian since like Mm, puberty i just found the whole thing extremely disturbing uh, so I mean, they saw willy wonka in the chocolate factory and said yeah let's do that is that what you're telling yeah, yeah but <laughs> let's, like in let's like, do it in central pa so it sucks ass. yeah in like 1965 that never updated it if you come to st louis if you're uh if you come during the right time uh and go by the budweiser brewery it smells like shit because it's fermenting and that's that like it's and, and that's and that kind of Midwest Sa- shit we like. St. Louis, <laughs> yeah, St. Louisans definitely have a like it's it smells awful. It just smells just fucking awful. And it's not all the time. It doesn't always smell bad. But like St. Louisans like, yes, that's that smells like <laughs> commerce. That smells like <laughs> shitty beer and I want it. I mean and, that's and Milwaukee I gotta, too. And nothing- I gotta tell you, when you when you pull a when you take the uh the the tour, the beer tour, they give you like a this beer was made six hours ago. Here you go. So like the freshest, the freshest Bud Light you can drink. It still tastes like shit, but it's yeah. the freshest <laughs> Bud Light that you could ever drink. This plate, man, I always forgot. So um, when I did the last time I did the Budweiser tour, they had so they have these gigantic Beechwood aging vats. Like I mean, they hold they hold like millions of kegs, or and there there's beechwood in it. It's the whole beechwood age. It's it uh, adds carbonation flavor, blah blah blah. So uh, they had one that had these big headphones on it because after the Blues won the Stanley Cup, our song the song that was playing was Gloria, which is some seven weird seventies. No. Yeah, you know it. You know that song. Oh. That was playing <laughs> MJ. That was playing constantly in this fucking city. Constantly. No. Constantly. <laughs> and so what they did is Budweiser, they put these giant headphones and they blasted Gloria 24-7 through it at the beer. Because, and then they would sell it as, this is Budweiser, this is um, blues, blues beer, Blues Gloria beer. It has had the song Gloria blasted through it for like seven days straight. In the womb. <laughs> and I, I, I kick myself for not getting one because I do have a Nelly Budweiser. Um, the big tall boy, two by four, uh, 20, like 25 ounce, 25 ounce beer. Did they play It's uh, Getting Hot in Here to that one? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think that was just a uh, collaborative effort. But uh, <laughs> yeah, this place is real weird sometimes. But I mean, <laughs> I no weirder than it. anybody else with their sports, I suppose. That's what I'm saying. I mean, like, that's, that's like, I, I, there's something that I truly respect about sports culture, which is that it takes just like the dumbest fucking thing that you can imagine and commodifies it in a way that like i don't know how how are you gonna be mad about it <laughs> like how are you people, gonna be mad about the fact they played gloria to some beer all day and people people fucking loved it they didn't like charge like oh this is the expensive like here it's gonna cost you 30 dollars a bottle they're just like hey we thought this would be funny and hey look at it. here it is and you i you can prove that we did it because you can go on the tour and you can see the fucking thing with the the beer So let's let's hear some more about this this deeply haunted equodome. Oh yeah, I I missed the best part, which is um, this section is bolded, and I could not really find much information corroborating this. But uh, when talking to 
uh, the sheriff who was quoted in this, uh, he claims that there was an incident where a sniper in the tower shot a pastor's wife as she was riding on <laughs> Highway 94. I didn't do a ton of research, but I couldn't really find much to corroborate this. But, you know, wait, the cops say Wait, it, why? Never lie. Why? No, I don't know. It's not explained. It's, not ele- <laughs> it's bolded in the thing, and then it's not elaborated on at all. The main, like... You know, a lot of this article is mostly satanic panic. It's like a pastor who's visited the place and a uh, a sheriff being like, yeah, I saw stains that looked like blood and people wrote Satan rules on the wall. And that's scary. <laughs> but it is also like, you know, lots of people got fucking hurt, obviously, because these, these giant abandoned towers. And uh, I guess the big... Uh, oh, yeah, it says... Barry said he found evidence of occult rituals, including animal bones and carcasses, which, you know, animals sometimes die in abandoned buildings as well. So could just be a normal occurrence. So so it looks like this place was shut, was demolished in the in the early 90s. So and also St. Charles is pretty far away from where I lived. But um, if if you want to talk about like our well, the the. The haunted, the haunted places uh, for us to go, um, and for me that I was really excited to go to, is a place called Cement Land, which yeah. was you have a, my attention. Um, yeah, so so we have so it's in in St. Louis we have a place called the City Museum. City Museum was uh, kind of designed by the designed and built up by this guy Bob Castley. Um, it is a glorious, insane work of art that uh, is for all ages and everybody can run around and there's caves to explore. There's three story, there's a 10 story oh, slide. Oh, I've heard about this There's place. a whole rooftop area with the, it's phenomenal, but also there's architecture. There, he, you know, him and his crew has saved a lot of architecture from St. Louis and uh, from Chicago. So like part of it is just like, here's some vault stuff. Here's some gargoyles that we've rescued. Uh, and then here's, and so he had all this cool stuff. So Bob Castley was working on a place called Cementland, which was an abandoned cement uh, cement factory thing in North City. Uh, North City, kind of sketchy area, um, but this was kind of off the beaten path. So uh, Castley died in 2011, unfortunately, and the, uh, the Cementland was really only a couple. Like there had been stuff done, but like there was still very obvious like dangerous areas to be in. So. Um, I, I broke in there, I broke in, we, we wandered in there, uh, with a camera. God, it was, it's been a while. They have, they have security cameras and, and shit up now, but cement land was really cool. Cause it was these gigantic, I mean, it was just these huge, tall cement buildings. Uh, and yeah, you could, uh, you could, uh, you could very much like there were holes in the ground that you could have fallen. There, there are probably a good, like eight or nine stories tall. So, uh, or there's you know water and you just have no idea what's down there. So it was a really cool, really dangerous place to go. But also uh, lots of graffiti, lots of uh, bullet casings, um, you know. But not like oh no, we had violence. Like, just like hey, here's a place shit. where we can go. Here's a place where we can go shoot yeah. off some guns. Yeah, like we saw cans yeah. with holes. There, in, so. there, there's this place here called Cary Furnace, and um, Cary Furnace obviously was a coke furnace. Um, and uh, recently, I mean, within the last 10 years, Cary Furnace uh, is now like a cultural heritage place. Like the there's like a bunch of the Rivers of Steel is this organization. Yeah. And 
also the site of a really shitty EDM music festival <laughs> every year. Um, but it's the other thing they do with it. Well, it didn't used to be anything. It used to just be abandoned. So you could just drive out to Cary Furnace and fucking hang out. You know what else was fucking cool? We used to do this all the time when I was when I was your age. Um, underneath the Millvale Avenue Bridge, you know where there's that parking garage, a Luna Garage for um, Shady UPMC Shady Side. Yep. That used to be a car parts factory. So is this a this is just a, a factory you people yeah. would go hang out. That's pretty out much at? all of Pittsburgh is just abandoned factories. <laughs> yeah, it's just out. like factories. There's one used to go near to. my house that is the Iron City, the old Iron City brewery, and half of it is still operational and the other half is just abandoned and there's like giant holes in the walls. Like huge fucking holes in the brick. It's so and you cool. can just kind of walk yeah, we in. Have- yeah, we have the Lent Brewery downtown, which is like this huge brewery complex that was like really cool and really historic. And uh, it's used parts of it is used for storage, and the rest of it is just falling yeah. down. Very well, similar. So yeah, we used to we used to go. Um, I lived, uh, you know, when I was when I was but a wee child, used to live right next to the kind of access road that went down to this abandoned factory. So we used to like climb all around that fucker. Um, nearly dying every time. It was so incredibly dangerous. Um, but yeah, I know you could just like sift through all of the old like um, orders. They just had like like files full of car parts orders, um, the like actual manufacturing stuff. Like it was fucking awesome. Now, again, for the public good, they tore it down. It was not a safe, it's a safe place to hang out. But I tell you what, when you are 22 years old and your blood alcohol content is like 0.03 at all times, awesome place to hang out. There used to be a uh, abandoned parking garage over on Boulevard and Craft in South Oakland. Oh yeah, and I, I think this is a. This plays into our theory of cities, right, that we're, we're developing, which is that cities need to be chaotic places in order to actually be cities that function and do their job as a city. And one of those things that they need to have is abandoned industrial buildings for young people to fuck around in and potentially hurt themselves. Because <laughs> uh, I used to climb up there with people, and I had a, a extremely important coming-of-age experience, which is... Climbing on top of it, breaking into and climbing on top of an abandoned parking garage with a girl you like while very drunk and then puking everywhere when you try to make out with her. (laughs) Cool. So these are like necessary. I don't know. Urban planners should consider these things is all I'm saying. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, our father, my my father grew up in like rural Missouri. He had woods to go run around and I had to an extent some woods to run around too, but yeah, all the kids in like the urban areas, they need, you know, there are no there there are no big wooded areas to explore, so they need abandoned houses to smoke weed and break shit in and they need, you know, the warehouses that you bulldozed all of the trees for. Well, guess what? We're all just going to go around exactly. there. Exactly. I mean, that's the thing is like that's what's fun about really any place to live, right? Is like there's like wild things, like wild places. And that's one of the things about like, and I know other countries have this too. I've only lived in America, (laughs) but like that's one of the things that's cool about America is that there's like a lot of these like wild spaces where you can just kind of do whatever the fuck you want. Um, And any more 
there's there was an interesting um kind of I, I think in England or something where they have like they have a playground that is it's it's not really a playground like they have like like a lot of just like sheet metal and boards and just like shit that's kind of dangerous and just like things for kids to like pick up and move around and it's like a place where it's, it's a place for kids to fuck around and do whatever like like one of them they're, they're talking about these kids with like a plastic spoon and, and a lighter and like melting it just to you know fucking around seeing how it does and like there are observers there and they're just like yeah i'm not gonna <laughs> stop that like i'm here if the kid breaks their arm or catches on fire but we just let the kids you know this is a place for them to do dangerous stuff with somebody around which is like yeah, you know, definitely. I don't think that teenagers need to be observed at all times. But like, if there is a way to safely, it's like, okay, we're gonna let our kids go out and do all the like really dangerous shit. And if we just have an alarm that goes off when somebody has a little bit more than a sprained ankle, like if there could be something like, oh, somebody's broken their leg at Cementland, let's go on back there and. That's and the figure thing it out. is that kids a, a are a first aid kit at every abandoned factory. Yeah, kids exactly, are kids are right? going to find like weird and exciting new ways to harm themselves like that's what being a fucking teenager and like young adult is is basically just pushing the boundaries of like how many ridiculously stupid things you can do without dying um and but but they're all doing the yeah. same thing though like they're all they're all still like snorting condoms up their nose like what you think you think you no, guys nobody, invented that oh yeah. reading tide pods you, you're eating Tide Pods. Guess what? You know, do you know the joy of sitting at a, a, a cafeteria and mixing like ketchup packets and milk and mashed potatoes and green beans and then trying to pony up? Get like, your five friend to fucking chuck that shit. Hell yeah. The yeah. important part of kids being are still a kid. Do all that. The important part of being a kid is is finding someone who's also a kid who's stupider than you to do the things that you want to see someone <laughs> do. <laughs> Kids doing stupid things. MJ, do you want to? Do we want to do Oakland Spider Man? Yeah, let's talk about the Oakland Spider Man. <laughs> All right. Have you, be, have you, can, Francis? Have you ever heard this. about the Oakland Spider Man? Oakland, California. No, Oakland. No, this is a Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh thing. I haven't. Go ahead. Fill me in. Okay. I, I I pause I pause because there is a St. Louis Spider Man, but I want I want you guys. to No, I want to hear about the St. Louis Spider Man first. Well, because I want to find out if he's the same guy. <laughs> oh, it's definitely was... not. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I well, hope it's not. God, <laughs> I don't know because our St. Louis Spider Man uh, left fifteen twenty years ago. Um, definitely not the same person. Okay. I think he went to Georgia, though. I think is the, is what I heard, and he was chased out because he was he was uh, black and very gay. So um, definitely he wasn't, not he the wasn't... same person. Okay, <laughs> no, this is a very different tale. It was okay. last seen climbing Stone Mountain, Georgia. Okay, is this your cryptid? Sort of. Are you going to tell no, me about a cryptid? So this is a real guy. This isn't okay. a cryptid. This is more of an urban legend. Except the facts are verifiable. Is the thing. Um, there are, in this case, police documents of the whole okay. thing. I'll start from the beginning. Oakland, 
Pittsburgh is the college neighborhood of the city. There are three colleges in the immediate vicinity. So it is essentially a city within a city controlled entirely by the universities. They have their own police forces and everything. Um, Back in early autumn of 2016, I had just moved back to Pittsburgh and was hanging out very late one night outside of one of the University of Pittsburgh dormitories with a friend that I had not seen in a long time. Uh, We're just shooting the shit. It's about 1 or 2 a.m., and all of a sudden I see about six cop cars come flying down the street and (laughs) turning down the alleyway next to us and then screeching off. And I say, well, that's fucking weird. And then I say goodnight to my friend, and I go upstairs and I fall asleep. And the next morning, I wake up to a text from my dad that says, this better not fucking be you, with a link to a news article. (laughs) And what is it? Uh, Turns out that a college student, uh, like a 21-year-old kid, was out on a date with a girl. And actually, there's there's an unfortunate number of similarities between this and the story that I just told. (laughs) But um, it wasn't me, I promise. So he he's out on a date with this girl, and he's like, well, this date's going great. You know what we need to do? Let's climb up on this roof, right? There's a main street that runs through Oakland that's like the business district. Let's climb up on top of the Brugger's Bagels. It'll be fucking cool. And the girl goes along with it. And in my opinion, if you're on a date and you get a girl to climb up onto a roof with you, like that's it you're done you don't need to do anything else to convince her your next move should be hey let's go back to my place like let's wrap this up you know he gets up on the roof with her and goes check this out i'm gonna jump from the brugger's bagels to the Qdoba next door which is only like probably a three foot gap between the buildings uh, but what everyone gets wrong about this story is that they think he was jumping from the higher roof to the lower roof. This guy wanted to do a vertical leap of about six feet up and three feet across between two buildings. So I don't know exactly how this goes. I assume he got a running start and he goes and he makes the <laughs> jump and he fucking whiffs it. And he goes right down between the two buildings and he gets stuck about four feet off the ground. In this three foot gap between the two, between the Cordoba and the Brugers. So it's, wait, he's stuck in an alley? No, no, no. Between it's, two buildings? It's about, it's about a three foot space between two, like, two, so three story a, tall brick buildings. It's a sidewalk space. Like, yeah, sidewalk it's place. like smaller than that. Right, and I kind of I think I know what you're talking. Like I think I've seen it. There's yeah. like usually a little sidewalk way you can walk through them. So I'm I'm curious. No, how no, you, this how is this is narrower than yeah. That. So oh, okay. so in Pittsburgh, like you know, you might have like a building that had been there forever, um, and then next to it might have been like it might have been part of like a row, um, but then one of the buildings in that row was torn down. So where the zoning laws, the way the zoning laws work here is if you wanted to build another building, um, on the lot of the one that was torn down, you have to leave a certain amount of clearance between the two buildings, but it doesn't need to be enough for a body 
Like it doesn't need to be enough for a person to walk through. It just has to be enough for like, I want to say it's like for fire safety. Like it has to be enough for there to be like a fire corridor, but it it's not like a, a alley. It's like just a crack. It's basically a crack between the two buildings. I mean, it's mm. wide enough for a human body to get wedged sideways. Yeah, in. apparently. But not, it's but like, not like it wouldn't it be really like. It really feels like a, I own this building and you own that building and I'll be damned if I'm going to share a wall with you kind of, kind of feel. Yeah. Well, basically you can't construct, you can't construct new construction that literally abuts a existing structure. So this doesn't show. Did the you width. find the photo? I, this doesn't show the width of the alley. But this is a, a picture of the hole that police crews had to drill in the wall of the Qdoba. Yeah, he was stuck there for about four hours while they tried to get him free. And ultimately, the only thing they could do was just punch a hole straight through the side of the Qdoba <laughs> and pull him out that way. And what I heard, allegedly, and I, I, don't, I can't confirm this, but credit to the girl, she apparently stuck around the whole time. I, I, really I mean, good on her for not abandoning him. That's really cool. I, I do wonder if, uh, if they're still dating. Like, oh, are I'm they sure still they're together? not. What happened to the Pittsburghs? I believe no. So there's, there's two postscripts to the story. The first one being uh, pretty sure that him and the girl are not still together, but he was the son of an editor at the local newspaper. And so when they reported on it, they had to add like an editor's note disclaimer that bleep bleep person because I'm I, I'm not gonna name him uh, is the son of you know our like daily news editor, and the second postscript is that months after this I was talking to an old friend of mine and I brought up I was like the Oakland Spider Man thing that's fucking crazy right that guy's like so stupid, and she goes I went on a date with him, and when we went out. He tried to climb up a statue at the end of the day. <laughs> so he's just got a thing, huh? Yeah. He's just it's got his a, finisher move. It's <laughs> well, clearly not very fucking effective. I would I don't know. She did not say whether or not. I it would worked. love to see a line graph of how effective this has been over time. And I would think if this is his thing that he like was he successful at climbing this one? No. Did she say like she oh seemed he to climbed imply up. that he was? Okay. I mean, maybe maybe he's just like really good at, hey, we all have off days. Maybe he was trying to parkour, parkour his way into a, a woman's heart and, uh, you know, he didn't stick the landing. That happens. It would be unfortunate if you were like a super suave, like pickup guy, like very good with the ladies. You've got this great finisher where you climb up some shit and then you're like, let's go back to my place. And then the one time you fuck up now... Now Nick is able to Google guy that got stuck in a Brugger's <laughs> and <laughs> pictures of the hole that you made come up on Google Images. Oh I just God. like the idea that that they had to do a disclaimer like we did not paint my son, my disappointing <laughs> son in a favorable light. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's our Pittsburgh Spider-Man story. I'm going to I'm going to climb the St. Louis Arch to impress a girl. I don't even like girls, but I'm going to climb a St. Louis. We've arch had to do people it. do that a couple of times. We've had yeah, a couple uh, arch climbers. Um, it's been a while since anybody's tried it, but uh, there have been a couple people who have gotten up to the top, and you know, <laughs> then they just have to be picked up by a helicopter. You would think it's like you know, base jump off or something. You would think but, you'd but have no. a descent I, I, plan. Hey, maybe they maybe they just couldn't get to it. You know, but have they actually made it to the top? Oh yeah, 
Wait, I don't know, actually. I think they did. I feel like I remember a helicopter, a picture of a helicopter of somebody. Uh, that's actually damn impressive, honestly. They should put like something up there, you know, like a guest book at the very top. <laughs> I found a good one. Um, headline, the day a daredevil suction cupped his way to the top of the arch. There we go. On September 14th, 1992, John Vincent climbed the arch with suction cups, then parachuted to the ground. Vincent was a hero until later he ratted on his helpers so he could get off with a thousand dollar fine, a year's <laughs> probation and 25 Boo. hours of community service. What the fuck? Uh, you gotta love it. But here's here's the opening graph of the original article. A man who used suction, rubber suction cups to climb the gateway arch on Monday morning, then parachuted 630 feet to the ground, said he did it just for the hell of it. Sounds about there right. There you go. Dudes rock, everyone. What a hell of a way to die, <laughs> jumping off of the St. Louis Arch. <laughs> he also jumped off the World Trade Center in Manhattan in 1991. R.I.P. <laughs> I, I wonder if he's still alive. I want to find this guy now. John C. Vincent. It's fucking 25 in 1992, man. That's that 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 was the time to be alive right there. If you're going to yeah. climb to the top of the arch, it should be right in the middle of the grunge years. Yeah. <laughs> you can't get away with it now. You can't you can't climb to the top of the arch with suction cups during the K-pop years. It's just not going to work. You could you could I do, do it if like... you only listen to Montero the whole way up. <laughs> Little Nas X. You got to listen to um to Nelly the whole way up, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> Our hip hop never evolved past that. I do think uh, suction cupping your way to the top of a large structure feels very angsty. You know, I've had a lot of angst. Like I've had a of lot something. of angst in my life, but I've never suction cupped my way to the top of anything. I mean, well, there's always perhaps still looking at the arch as if it is an affront to God and just be like, "I will conquer you." Giant metal <laughs> half McDonald's sign, <laughs> <laughs> which is sad because we used to have a McDonald's riverboat too. We don't have what? That yeah, we had a McDonald's. We had a um, one of the riverboats that was tied up uh, was a floating McDonald's, and it was always such a treat to go to the floating McDonald's. God damn! We had a lot of cool stuff in, in St. Louis once upon a time. Reject modernity and embrace us. tradition. <laughs> embrace <laughs> embrace more McDonald's on the water. Spider Man thought he was bad. He was screwing my day up. He was bothering my girlfriend. He tried to cut her out of $70. I was Spider-Man's ass. I was Spider-Man's ass. I was Spider-Man's ass. I was Spider-Man's ass. Spider-Man messed with my girlfriend. Spider-Man wrapped his arms around her with my bedroom door closed. Suddenly I opened the bedroom door on Spider-Man's sneaky ass. I'll call him kissing my girlfriend and beat him to a pub with a rubber hose. I whip Spider-Man's ass. I whip Spider-Man's ass. I whip Spider-Man's ass.